Welcome to Life Coaching on the Move. I'm your host, Dawn Fisk. Um, Welcome to this series. If you are new to this podcast, there are 119 other episodes that you can go back and listen to. You can subscribe to this and uh, get each and every latest episode arrive in your inbox automatically. Um, And there's a whole host of different subjects in the back catalogue, all sorts of things. If you're one of my regular listeners, I just wanted to say a big thank you for your loyalty and for choosing this podcast. I really appreciate you coming back and I really appreciate you telling people about it. And I know that that's happening. So thank you. I have got a very special episode for you this week. I have got a guest with me. His name is James. He is a former SAS military officer. Um, he shares some of his life wisdoms, his experiences, his beliefs, what's helped him and what continues to help him. And I think you're going to find it really, really interesting. I love talking to him. Um, it's a, a really interesting story. But um, first, I just wanted to cover tiny bits of admin and then we'll launch straight into it. We are in December. We're in countdown now to Christmas. And I just want to confirm that the uh, website now has my gift voucher options available up there. If you're interested in treating yourself for Christmas present or one of your loved ones for either two coaching sessions with me, one-to-one on Zoom or face-to-face or three coaching sessions, there are different options available and you can make a real difference to their 2022. Uh, They could cover any subjects they want to cover, motivation, career, stress, confidence, life struggles, life issues, all sorts of things, whatever they want to focus on. So that would be a lovely gift for them. Uh, Equally, you can sign somebody up on a course. Uh, Various different uh, workshops are launching in January um, due to popular demand. There's another adult seven-week confidence and life skills program, which is really popular and uh, a brilliant workshop. Everybody really gets to know each other. It's small groups, so it's not scary. Really friendly, uh, really safe. um, And you take away a lot of life tips and strategies that you can use in your everyday life to really, really start believing in yourself, start pushing yourself, start encouraging yourself and and refusing to continue to let yourself be held back through fears and self-doubts. It's also a stress management workshop to stop all of stress managing you, but instead you managing it and feeling better and better work-life balance, just healthier, more sleep, etc. And there's also a time management workshop. So start 2022 on top of things, in charge, in control, and working efficiently and effectively. All of those workshops start in January. All of them are on Zoom, so you can be anywhere. So have a look at those. The news though today is that I've also now because of the way of of the world unfortunately sadly I've launched a group coaching um, approach on zoom in small small groups of four for teenagers specifically for ages 13 to 17 um, because at the moment it's the biggest client base that I've got almost every other call that I'm getting are from concerned worried 
parents about their teenagers who are having a really tough time and struggling through life at the moment, whether it's social anxiety, self-belief, lack of confidence, just really struggling at the moment. Um, incidences have really gone up since COVID. Um, and so because I'm working with them one-to-one, -one, I've also decided to launch a group coaching approach because A, it can be slightly more uh, cost-effective, but more importantly, it's also really helpful for the little group together to learn from each other. They um, pull together, they can have their cameras off if they're worried, um, and they learn, they get reassurance from each other, they're not the only ones struggling, other people are suffering similar things, they learn and they watch others grow and they grow too from each other as well as from the coaching over a seven week period. So that is now up on the website under the teenage uh, coaching for teenagers and young adults. So have a look through the website for all on any of those things, www.milestone-coaching.co.uk. And please do feel free to also pass all of that on to friends if they've got teenagers struggling or they're struggling themselves. It's all up there and available, the support that they need. So that's enough said. I want to um, crack straight into this episode with James. Um, if you find it helpful, please do share it on your social media. Pass it on to any friends that you feel it would be useful for. Other than that, I wish you a really good week and I will speak to you after this episode. I will speak to you on the next episode. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, James. Welcome to Life Coaching on the Move. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk to all the listeners and be my guest this week. It's exciting. Thank you, Dawn. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Hello, everybody. Uh, well, I should introduce you, James. We don't actually know each other at all, do we? Uh, you made a call this week uh, about coaching, how I became a coach, because that's something you passionately want to go into. And we started talking and your life story came out, which I found incredibly interesting and inspiring. And I asked you, would you come and share it on the podcast? So you accepted and here you are. So thank you. It's an absolute pleasure again. Um, yeah, so if I if I could start off by, by just explaining my kind of background and past um, to everybody is that I, uh, I'm a military man. I spent 22 years and nine months in the military. Um, my last 10, 11 years, I actually served in the SAS and it was an absolute pleasure to do that. I've been out in the civilian world now for just over nine years. And yeah, it's, um, it's exciting. Gosh, you must have a, a lot of stories to uh, to share. Um, I mean, at the, just the words SAS, uh, they conjure up all sorts of um, awe in me. I don't know about everybody else listening, but how, tell me, what? why did you go into military in the first place? How did you get into the military in the first place? Well, when I was nine years of age, I, um, I actually flipped the, the TV on and the news came on. Um, and it was about the Iranian embassy siege in, in um, 1980. And I, I was influenced by that straight away. Um, and then around 1980, 1982, yes, it was 1982, um, the Falklands War started. Um, that's, by the way, that's the 40th anniversary next year of the Falklands War. Wow. Um, so a long time ago, yeah. But again, in 1982, there was a movie 
came out called Who Dares Wins with, with Lewis Collins. Um, and I, I, I remember seeing it and I thought to myself, you know, I, I want to be like that. I want to do that. And I had it in my head from an early age that I, I was going to join the SAS. And so I joined up in 1988 and I remember being invited to go to a, a recruitment presentation for the SAS. And at the time, we didn't know that. We were just, we were just told, right, right, guys, get yourself in the lecture room. Um, you're going to get a brief soon. No one knew what was going on. And then this guy walked in and he was wearing an SS beret and he stood out the front and he went through this, back then it was the old slide projector um, <laughs> presentation and he started talking and I, I again was mesmerised by it. Um, and I, I, I remember at the end of the presentation, this guy said to us, he, he said, um, you know, has anyone got any questions? And there's a, a lad sat in front of me and I, I won't say his name because I'm probably embarrassing <laughs> poor lad. Um, but, he stuck his hand up and he said, he said, uh, excuse me, sir, I've got a question. So yes, he goes, um, what happens if I don't pass the first time? And this wow. SAS warrant officer looked at him and he said, I'll be honest with you, son, if that's your attitude, don't even bother turning up at all. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought to myself, I want to be part of that. Yeah. God, that's very black and white, isn't it? But it, actually that's a really powerful statement, isn't it? Because that goes right to the crux of, he, he already had self-doubt, didn't he? Yeah, and, and that, that was the point. He's kind of, you know, failed before he even, even started, if you like. And, uh, you know, a few people chuckled to themselves and the poor lad, I mean, I still stay in touch with him to tell me laugh about it, but, you know, it's just the mindset of, if you want to go there, you can't just go there and, and give it a shot. And it's like that with, with most things, when people apply themselves, don't just go there and give it a shot. Go there and pass it or go there and achieve it. Go there and do it. And that's you, the kind of positivity. You clearly had that different outlook. You clearly had that, that, that different approach at that young age, um, which is why you didn't ask that question and he did. But did you? is it a chicken and egg thing? Did you have that before you joined the military? And is that a bit why it appealed to you? Because I remember watching all of the SAS working at, at, with the um, embassy siege. And I, I still remember it as if it were yesterday. So we're, we're showing our age. But it didn't make me want to join up. It, it kind of scared me because I'm a different character. What, what was it that appealed to you? And what did you already have in you that it tapped into, do you think? I felt when I was younger, I, I, I was always very physically fit and I was always mentally fit as well. Mm. And I think when you when you do something like SS selection, I mean, that's that is just the start of it. It's not that you do harder things, certainly when you pass selection and serve. But SS selection has to be like that for, for, for a, you know, a base standard, if you like. But it doesn't matter how physically fit you are you all get to a point on the course where you know you're all burnt out and you're all tired and it's the mentally strong ones that that kind of keep going um, and yeah I think I've always had that in me from an early age and again it's it's influences you know I mean when I look back you know one of, one of my influences was, was my maths teacher <laughs> you know I, I was I was I wasn't great at maths but he ran the school football team and he was you know, he was a steady Eddie. He was a real 
character um you know and I, and I loved him and I, I looked up to him and he was just so calm about everything you know if when things went wrong and you know another influence in my life from an early age I suppose mm. and isn't it interesting that actually that that can also work the other way um especially I, I don't know if I've said this story on the podcast before but I do remember um, I've said to many clients, don't let other people's perceptions of you become your reality. If they're negative perceptions, don't let that take over. And I remember with my son, when he was 10 at primary school, and he was just due to go up to comprehensive school. And I remember at parents evening saying to his new teacher of that year, um, he's really, really good at hockey. His passion is to play hockey for Team GB. And we think he could go to a particular school where he's been offered a scholarship. What do you think? And her first words, she didn't even take a breath. She didn't even stop to think. And she had only known him for six weeks. She instantly said, I won't even pass the entrance exam. And that just riled me so much. I thought, how dare you? How dare you dismiss a child and keep them back and put them down any child not just my I just thought that was a terrible thing for a teacher to do um, or any adult to do to 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 snub a child's dreams and hopes and ambitions and and it, it made me and him more determined to prove her wrong she was wrong and he did pass the entrance exam and he did do really well and love the hockey but did you have anything like that negatively or positively where someone believed in you or didn't believe because I think it can work the other way it can make you more determined if they don't believe in you as well yeah I, I was I was quite a quiet unassuming young lad I think and I I was never one that you know would beat my own drum I, I you know I, I just got on with it and, and let my work do the talking but I I, I do remember when I first applied for selection, I went down to, to start the course. We all turned up and there was about 200 people on my course and I was stood in this room with these, all these other guys. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, what makes me different from, from these people in here? What makes me better than them? And I was looking around and you start to compare yourself to other people. So a little bit of doubt does start to creep in, but the one thing, I would say sets you apart is the fact you don't give in. Too yeah. many people, from from my experience, when you when you start training, they they might turn up too fit, for example, and they burn out too quickly. Um, you know, those guys turn up with all the kit, you know, they got all the all the best kit and all the Gucci kit, and I remember guys taking supplements, guys taking you know all sorts of, of pills and potions to repair themselves and I didn't take any of that or drink any of that I just drunk juice and water and and tea and then because when we went to the jungle and you know it's five six weeks later we went to the jungle when you go to the jungle you don't get supplements you don't yeah. get pills and potions and you, and you get degraded your body gets degraded even more mm. so yeah I mean I you do start to doubt yourself when you're you're, you're around people and it, people can drop things in conversation that can be quite you know, hurtful to you as well. And you just think, well, is that aimed at me? And you just have to filter all that stuff and concentrate on, on what you're doing. And, you know, I remember watching a, uh, 
a, a video of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he never had a plan B. He said, plan A, I want to be Mr. Universe. And that was his plan to be Mr. Universe. There was no plan B because he couldn't concentrate on plan A. And he's so right. Yeah, interesting. You do, you, and, but just taking you back slightly there, James, because you said something that I end up working with a lot and that's comparison. Um, I think we humans are prone to that. We're often, and I work a lot with teenagers, especially at the moment, there's a lot of teenagers having a really difficult time at the moment. And in amongst that anxiety and things like that, um, lack of confidence is comparing themselves with others. How, what is the antidote to that? How do you stop? How did you stop yourself? How did you not get drawn in and take supplements? How did you not get, you know, dragged along on that wave? I just, I just believed in myself and believed in my own ability. And I think you have to, you have to put, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a filter on with people. Um, some, some of the, uh, the, the, not the worst people to listen to, but some of the people that had been on the course before and they'll give you, you know, they'll say, oh, you, you're going to go and do this, this route and this march and you've got to do this and do that. And I found if you listen to that, people start to scaremonger. You have for your own, you know, for your own mind, you have to filter things with people. You know, you, I mean, and, and try not to be, I want to say it's well, vulnerable too much in an environment like that because it is, it's a harsh environment. So I, I learned pretty quickly to um, trust my own instincts. It, it was a, a massive thing to do. And it's kind of what's well, kept me alive until today, fortunately. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, so when you say filter, are you able to, for anybody listening, thinking, well, how do you filter? Because I can't, I'm not very good at filtering and I let it affect me, for example. If anybody's thinking that right now, you know, if someone says something hurtful, it really drags me down for days. And what, what do you recommend that someone who's trying to learn to filter more or bounce back more can do? I mean, is it nobody can make no nobody can make you feel how you feel. You they can influence how you feel or, or suggest words, but deep down, no one can physically make you feel how you feel. That's that's your you know it's your core, it's your mind, it's your it's your body. Um, I, I would say that a lot of people and um, take things to heart and. You know, just concentrate on, on achieving your goal and go away. And then, you know, the, you spoke about, you spoke about mind chatter in one of your um, podcasts, Dawn. Yeah. And that to have positive mind chatter, go away, think about what people have said and don't react to it. And, mm. um, you know, I've got a teenage daughter and she, she comes in sometimes and she said, oh, so-and-so said this. And we always say to her, look, you know, just stay in your lane, concentrate on what you're doing. Let them mm. all create and make the dramas and stay positive and stay focused on what you're doing. So, yeah, I, I, I'd go away and think about what people have said to you. And does it actually matter? Does it actually mean anything? They can't make you feel the way they want to. And by, by, by words, sometimes that's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I suppose it's letting it bounce off us and not allowing. It's refusing permission to let somebody else uh, drag us down or upset or hurt you know it's not letting it in isn't it um so you you had a really clear goal 
the other thing that I often find with some of the teenagers I'm working with is uncertainty. They haven't got, I, I envy anybody that knows all their life that they want to become a doctor or they want to become a vet or a, go into the military. What would you say to anybody that hasn't got a clue and they're, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to go. What would you say? How can they sift that out? I, I think it helps to, 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 to have a career or do something you actually enjoy doing. I think yeah. a lot of people don't actually enjoy their work. And, you know, for youngsters, you know, sometimes it doesn't always, from an early age, you don't always understand. You have to go through this process and this journey and try different things and you know, go out there. And if you're a youngster that wants to join the military or you want to be a doctor, go and research it as much as you can. And, and it, it is fearful, but when we, when I first started parachuting, there's a, um, uh, you know, a saying above the, the doors where you, in the hangar where you do your parachute training, and that is knowledge dispels fear. Um, Try and gain as much knowledge, and it does help you. Yes. Um, knowledge dispels fear. So go and try and, and look at as many careers as you can, find out as much information as you can and throw yourself into it. And it yeah. will help. I love that. Uh, I suppose the, the one I always use, which is the similar-ish, but is information is power. And I send people, go, go and research it, go and find out more what's available. How much does it cost? How long's the training? How's this? How can you do it? And, and the more they find out, the more they can sift out. I don't want that career, but I quite like this this one um similar thing i guess isn't it yeah i mean i mean i, I was going to ask you actually do, do you ever come across youngsters that are falling in the wrong crowd gang sort of culture does that come across your your path at all probably not as often as you would think actually Gen generally not no that hasn't really happened they may have fallen in with wrong behaviors but not so much working with people who've fallen in with the wrong people. I haven't really had that. Because um, I know that you want to, your passion is to now, with your next career, um, go into coaching and to work with youngsters, isn't it? Is that an area that inspires you? Yes, it does. I think if, if you can capture these, these kids at an earliest age enough to kind of influence them as I was influenced when I was a kid by, by having good people around me then I think that's a positive thing um, yeah I don't think kids are they, they, you know I, I I'm probably yourself Dawn we, we didn't have social media when, when we were young mm. and I think the trouble now is that kids go on social media and my daughter does it you know and everything that's on social media not all but they, they think it's fact it's not it's just yeah. someone's opinion on, on social media but i think getting out there and spreading the good word and, and giving these kids positivity um and telling them they can achieve their goals you know i mean i, I you know, from from an early age you know i i went to a um a school i'm actually a military boarding school mm -hmm. and um it was we had to march around them <laughs> it was really even back that yeah we it was um it was it was quite a rigid kind of upbringing that I had, but you know I, I actually was I did think about trying to be a football player as all kids do when they're young. But you know when I as soon as I saw the Iranian embassy siege, that was me. I was off. Yeah, yeah, it was very impactful. It was an incredible thing to witness because it was one of the first things we almost one of the first things that we watched unfolding live. Yeah, it was it was something that 
cast the SAS onto the onto the world stage, really, mm. um, and a lot of you know a lot of unwanted attention as well. I think it was good. It was a great recruiting tool for them, yeah. like myself, but it also you know it kind of put them under the spotlight a little bit, which is not what they're about or whereabouts. So yeah, yeah, there must have been times though through your career with them that you were scared or. or is your training to such a point where you become fearless how, how do you handle fear um i think any, anybody let's say i'll quote if anyone is not scared they're a liar um, <laughs> you do you do get you do get worried you know but you you just you just get on with it because when when you get to a certain level within especially if you're doing the sas no one's going to come and do it for you no mm. one's going to come and help you out you know you're not going to call in the cavalry you're there on your own mm. and i you know i've been in situations where it's been it's been desperate and you've just got to get on with it and do it yourself no one's gonna you know come come and help you out and one, one of the things that i suppose i used to fear a lot was um if i i always had a fear that i couldn't if we were behind enemy lines and I, you know, we, we got into a contact, I always had this fear that I would never be fit enough or strong enough to get away and get back to my family. And that's something that I prided myself on was my fitness. And even worse than that was, I always had this thing in my head where I'd always, if one of my colleagues was injured and couldn't walk, then I would pick them up and carry them. And I kept myself supremely fit in order to be strong enough to do that. It's something that we, we train for um, lots and lots. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about it, but when we, we do this thing called we write a last letter and before you go, uh, you go to war or you go on operation, you, you write this last letter and most, most military units do it. Really? You sit there. And, yeah, so you sit there and, and you hand it into the office and it, obviously, anything happens to you, the letter gets sent to your family. You put the name, address, and they, they put it in the post and give it to your family. God. And I remember, uh, I remember writing on mine. I, I think, I mean, how do you, how do you write something like that? Looking back on it, and I, I you know, I made light of it. I said, um, I just put um, this is to my family. I put, um, oops, I suppose if you're reading this, things have gone badly wrong for me. <laughs> and start, started it like that because what are oh you supposed, what are you God. supposed to do? Yeah. Oh my word, I cannot imagine having to sit down and write that letter. You had to write it several times or you wrote one that was... Um, you, well, obviously life changes, people get married, get divorced. Of course. You know, yeah, so you, you've got to, you update it. Um, you know, we obviously, at the end of it, you know, you survive and you get through it and you get given the letter back and so I yeah. used to I opened mine up and read it once. So probably, in fact, I think I might have still kept it somewhere. Really? Um, but yeah, it's a difficult thing to do, but what are you supposed to, you know, mm. especially when you've only got like 10, 15 minutes to write your last letter. Yeah, it was, and, you know, It's incredibly, uh, incredibly powerful to do that. I should say, oh God, it's almost put the hairs on the back of my neck up. It really has, I don't know. Um, but a couple of things that you said there that stuck out for me, which was one of your fears was to not be fit fast enough to get yourself out of danger and therefore the big thing for you became your fitness 
because you could do something about that, you were in control of that, weren't you? And you could, whilst it was on the one hand a fear, you, you, are you saying you, your antidote to that fear was take as much control of it as you could by sorting out your fitness instead of giving into the fear, you found a solution. Absolutely. Yes. That was, that was my, my way was to, was to train or something. It's the same with anything, whatever walk of life you're in, you kind of, you gather as much knowledge about something and you, you put it right. And that's kind of the, the positive attitude that I had, I had from an early age. It's a real, um, real doing attitude, isn't it? It's a real, right, I can do something about this or what can I do about this? Um, whereas maybe that is not the case with some people that I work with. They, they, they're almost paralysed with fear about something or, you know, I did that when I was terrified of public speaking, things like that. I gave into it. I just avoided any situation where I would have to speak up at a meeting or present or something like that until the switch went on in my own head. I've got to do something about this. I can't keep hiding and avoiding. Um, and then you actually do feel better because you're in control. Um, so is, is that the advice you would give anybody that right now, because people listening to this will all have their own challenges right now, their own fears, doubts, insecurities, anxieties, worries. It, is that what you would say? Just what can you do about it? What actions can you take? Is that what you're saying? Or what advice would you give to somebody? I, I would say that, you know, we, we all have our light bulb moment and then, and you will have your life bulb, light bulb moment if you're listening to this. You know, you remain positive and, and find and work out a way of, of achieving your goal and you know, surround yourself with, with the right people as well. There are too many negative people that you know, we have around us and, you know, surround yourself with, with positive people. Yeah. And find out as much information as you can and just increase your awareness and noise around that subject. And if yeah. it is, if it's something physical, um, you know, I go to the gym and I, I you know, I, I train, and I go to the gym and I work and it is, it's a social thing as well, going to the gym. But if you go to the gym and you're on the running machine reading a magazine, it's probably, <laughs> yeah, I've seen people doing that in the past and you're, you're there to, to train and it, I mean, you don't always have to go to the gym and, 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 and you know, beast yourself if you like, because you can go there and it's good for your, your mental health as well just the fact that you go to the gym and you might go for a swim you don't have to work you know overly hard but there mm. are people that go to the gym and, and, and just just sit around and you go to the gym go and go and train <laughs> i've seen those thing. people uh, it's is and they've still got their jumper on because they haven't actually even warmed up they're just wandering around and chatting and you, it's quite i suppose it's quite sociable and they're seeing friends but uh, it does make me smile when you see that <laughs> Totally, and you know, I, I, I go in my gym, and I look at people, and I, I, I dare I say this, I, I can pick out or, or notice the people that are mentally strong, just from the way they're training as well. Really? Um, yeah, because I, you can see the people that want to go the extra mile of it, and the people that will give in, you know, the slightest bit of hardship. Where you can actually, I would say, you can actually you know, be careful, but you can actually push your, your, yourself more than you actually think you can yeah um, in, a, in a controlled environment of course um but yeah 
I, I was talking to somebody that does ultra marathons and the one across the desert, the, the three marathons across the desert in the night and things like that. And I was saying, yeah, how do you keep going when you're absolutely shattered? What keeps you going? Because I would give up and think, oh, I can't do this. Um, and he said he just constantly says in his head, there's more in me yet. There's more in me yet. And he just pushes. And he says, and there always is more in you yet. It's our mindset or our chatterbox that tells us, oh, I can't do this first. That's the thing that gives up first rather than physically. Yeah. Um, it, so you think you, you, you actually feel you could go around a gym and pick out what those strong minded people. Do you think that goes out in them lives as well at work, at home, in, in everything? Do you think that applies everywhere in their life, the way they are physically? and the way they apply themselves. Yeah, I mean, I people in the gym I go to, you know, most people are there to, to train hard, you know, but you can, you can pick out, after going a few times and seeing that people will, will turn the running machine down as soon as it gets a little bit too hard. But mm -hmm. I, I, I always, you know, I always believe in, in that chaos at home equals chaos at work as well in your life. And, you know, it, life is, is difficult enough um, and if listening to this podcast or any of your podcasts, Dawn, it helps people navigate their way through life. And, and everybody needs a you know, release in their life, whether it's going to the gym or going out socially, especially at the moment. Yeah, definitely. God, I am really, James, I'm going to be very mindful of how I approach fitness from here on. <laughs> and those Oops, moments. <laughs> no, it's actually, uh, I tell you, if I take anything from today's episode, it's that when I'm about to give in and think well oh, I've done enough or that's enough or that will do or I'm done or whatever I'm gonna just mm. make myself just go that tiny bit further or that tiny bit faster or something because you have made me think maybe that does filter out into the rest of our lives you know I can't be bothered I've sent enough emails or I've done enough of this and maybe if we did just do one more it would be the difference that makes the difference it's interesting yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned uh, before before we came on, Dawn, about um, you know, when you do selection, there's no encouragement or discouragement. Um, and what did you mean by that? I wasn't sure what, what when you're being selected, the SAS selection. Yeah, so when you're on the course, you yeah. you pretty much select yourself, if that makes sense. Um, you know, they don't, the first stage of it, there's no encouragement. So no one's running alongside you going, come on, you've got this. Similarly, no one's there going, hey, you're rubbish, off you go. So it's no not like the programme. It's not like the uh, no, SAS. It's no. not. No, no, no. It's, you know, it's, it's a flavour. Right. Um, it's a flavour of what, of what goes on. That's not to take away anything for those people that go on the, on the programme, including mm -hmm. the celebrities, because they're, they're completely out of their comfort zone. So they go from, you know, you know it, it's a vast gap they're trying to, to fill, a void they're trying to fill. I put them on the on the course, but when you're on the course, there's no, you know, you don't want someone run alongside you saying, hey, you're rubbish, off you go, fella. You don't get any of that. It's, you do it yourself and it's quite quiet. Um, so there's no external validation. So you can't gauge how you're doing. So you have to get your head around the fact that it, you're doing this kind of internal validation, if you like. Um, but they do say to you, um, you know, do you want to quit or do you want to VW? Why don't you withdraw? They do say that before most of the events and during it, 
And then that can play on your mind and you're thinking, actually, is he asking me that because he thinks I'm not going to do it or are they just playing mind games with you? It's pretty much they're just offering if you want to if you want to quit, but you obviously don't. Yeah. God, that's hard. The, the, the internal validator or the external validator, again, this comes up a lot in everyday life with, um, with people that I work with. If they've changed role, for example, and they've got a new boss, but the boss doesn't give them any feedback, or if they're in a new relationship and the new partner doesn't ever give compliments, some people feel really at sea. They don't know. I don't know if I'm doing a good job. I don't know if he's pleased with me. I'm not, I'm not to the point where sometimes they can actually get so lost. They want to change department or change company or change role, or they're not getting any satisfaction anymore. And they don't know why, but it's often that, that they're not getting feedback one way or the other. Um, um, so what I do with them is to say, you know, we need to build up your internal validation muscle. We need you to be able to see how well you're doing with that project, that report, that presentation, because you take that voice everywhere with you. Um, how do you teach yourself to do that? I mean, God, SAS training must be so tough. How do you tell yourself you're doing a good job or what, what could any of us learn from that? You've, you've got to set yourself you know, daily goals. I mean, you can't, for example, you you can't think about something that's two weeks ahead or a week ahead for me when I was on the course. You're just getting through each day and trying your 100% best on each event on each day. So you take each day as it comes. Mm. I think it's easy in modern day life now to um, misunderstand or... Um, interpret in a negative way some especially when people communicate by email or by or by text messages you know you can you can read that the wrong way actually you mm. read between the lines a little bit too much I don't yeah know, it's something that you've experienced as well a lot a lot of, can be misread in the written word definitely you're now out of the military aren't you um, and yes. what, what do you do now, James? And how, how was that from leaving the military to civilian life? What was that transition like? Okay, so it was quite strange for me because when, when you're in a, a large organisation, or even a small organisation, you've been there for a long time, you do become institutionalised. You do, you know, you've got a, a, quite a, a structured life. Um, I suppose the, the negatives are... Um, I suppose and there is a, a bit of a lack of emptiness and a, a sense of purpose is lost um, because you, you do have a, such a structured life and, and you're doing a high profile job and then all of a sudden that's all taken away from you. And that, that kind of leads me on to lack of identity, I suppose. Not loss of identity, but mm. a lack of your identity. Mm. Um, How yeah, did you it's... get over that? How did you deal with that? Um, I kind of... I think I wrote down all the all the negatives and positives um, on a piece of paper, mm. and uh, I've actually done that with my daughter as well. Um, <laughs> when she didn't want, she was doing triathlon training. She didn't want to go back to um, triathlon, pretty much because of because of COVID. She had a break from it, and then we made her write down, you know, some negative and positive things. And the positive things way way over or, or outweighed the, the, the negatives. 
Yeah. Um, but for, for me, when I, I left, I wrote down all the positives and I, I said to myself, look, it's a challenge for a start. It, it's something different, something exciting. Um, and there was a sense of freedom as well because mm. I could, all of a sudden I could book a holiday and go away and not, not be sent away. And so, you know, it was the end of an era for me and I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, and then one of the main kind of positives was it went from uh, work, then family, but then to family and then work. And that was my my biggest takeaway was, hey, I'm putting my family first before my work. Yeah. Not my work, then my family. Because when you're doing a job like that, it, it regardless of what people say, you know, it's it, it's work orientated. You do get downtime, yes, but it was, it was the families do take a you know a big hit on, on, on you being around and it's difficult to um it's difficult to manage, but you know, a strong relationship with people, your partner, then you know it's it, it works out all right. Uh, uh, there's yeah, you make me think of uh, so many people that struggle. Perhaps they've been made redundant. I get that a lot in in career coaching. You know, they've been suddenly made redundant, and they've worked there for fifteen years. This is my life. I've been there fifteen years, and now suddenly somebody else has made that decision for them, and now they've there is that feeling of lost identity and uncertain future, or people retiring you know I used I was x now what am I what what do I do now or and athletes as well when they retire because they've got you know they've done their knees in or their back in or something like that um and you would say you you use the word again and you've used it numerous times today actually which is seeing the positive or weighing up the list of the pros and the cons and what's the positive is that the foundation that's got you through life is always looking for the good or the upside yes i i've always been a positive person and you know i've always managed to get through adversity if you like um by you know, you kind of you're your own coach sometimes, aren't you? And you talk yourself through situations. Yeah. But you you find as well if if you are you know if you've been made redundant or you've you've lost a job or you've changed career, things do change around pretty quickly. Um, you know, you can once you kind of get your head into what's happened. You know, sometimes there's no, I say there's no point, but sometimes you have to look forward. You have to look forward, and you know if you dwell on the past it, it can hamper you a lot yeah. I, I feel um so look forward and take the positives out of the change and if you know, if you don't adapt to the change sometimes you do get kind of left in the past a little bit if that makes sense yeah and what benefits that going to bring anybody being stuck in the past it does it can't do us any good can it no i mean <laughs> it, it can certainly slow you down you get you get stuck in the weeds of things and it, I found with, with people, you know, it, it brings a lot of negativity to your life as well. And if you move, if you move forward, it's a positive thing. Yes, you know, you have to accept some changes in life and maybe in your career. But if you stay positive and don't get pulled back by those negative thoughts, then mm. you know, kind of work the world will improve for you. And were you were your parents really positive? Where did you get that from? Were you born with it? Do you think that we was it? in your family where's that come from because i do know some people who are gen genuinely not positive they seem to be naturally 
you know, if you can find fault or if you can find some negative, let's find that instead. And how do you stop that, would you say, if someone's like that? If someone's negative all the time, yeah. I, again, it's, it's just like, it's that like education thing. It's, it's that enthusiasm, you know, um, in, surrounding yourself by positive, enthusiastic people because enthusiasm is infect, infectious. It really mm. is. Mm. Um, just try your best to, to, to look, look forward and, and, and think positive thoughts. Um, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that sits at home, you know, you, you find yourself confined to the house and, you know, try and try and get out for a walk if you can, try and clear your head. Walking is a, is a great, as you know, Dawn, it's really, <laughs> yeah. really, you know, walking great, great leveller. <laughs> yeah, to clear your head. And it is. You know, if you do, if you do have downtimes then everyone has downtimes, but try and try and pick yourself up and, and talk your way sort of round it and, and move forward. Yeah. What was it somebody said to me the other day? Oh, yeah, but it's all right for you positive people. But it, I believe this person said, I believe if I look for what could go wrong and all the downsides, I'm not disappointed when it does go wrong. I'm ready for it. And that just broke my heart that that's how they're getting through life. But actually, they said it works for me. And I thought, I don't know whether I should try and help them to change that or whether it does work for them. I don't know. It's like, like, like an acceptance that everything's going to go wrong for them, I suppose. And it's the easy option to, ah, well, it's, it's not going to work out anyway. But yeah, no, I, I don't. I, it's, you've always got to be positive. You can take, you know, you learn from your mistakes. And how can you truly appreciate success if you haven't had a bit of failure in your life? We've all had failure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, if we haven't, we haven't lived you know we've stayed safe and that's not living that that's just staying safe and I often say they're not mistakes they're, they're just lessons or their learnings or their opportunities to take something from it um and improve going forward I, I just I, I think I'm like you I think I try my hardest to see the good in everything rather than the negative um and I find it oh, I find it sad that some people want to prepare themselves for constant disappointment because I think seeking you will find if you're looking for disappointments, they're going to be there without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, but is that all we're going to see if that's what we're seeking? Um, yeah, I, interesting. I, um, I, I would say to that that, you know, I'm on the other kind of side of the, the coin, if you like, with that, because I've been... I've been away so many times on maybe in operations or exercises, and we've lost so many people. Um, mm. And I almost got to a point where I was going away and I was expecting not to come back. But I knew I would. I had to talk myself around, you know, and it, it's hard to do. Um, but, you know, I, I had a really bad car crash in Africa. And I was passed through the back of the vehicle and it overturned and two of my colleagues were killed and I got stuck underneath it. And oh for two word. years after that, maybe probably three years, I, I didn't say anything to anybody. I literally, I'd get in a vehicle and I'd be, I was, I was worried. I was worried. And I was, if I was a passenger, I was breaking every corner for the driver, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I managed to just to turn it around and just sort of say, look, that wasn't your time to go. It was just an unfortunate accident. And 
you know, I, I it really affects you. I never told anybody that. Probably the only person thought of my wife, you know, yeah. and I, because when you're in, when you're in an organisation like that, you kind of, back then, you, you couldn't, you know, I don't want to go in the vehicle with you. I don't trust you driving. But mm. I had to really talk myself around, um, you know, and I certainly joined the, the, the Lucky to be Alive Club on that particular day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so yeah, it's it's that power of that voice again. You talked yourself round. Um mm -hmm. because that I think I mentioned on one of the series before that I had a couple of years where I suffer from anxiety because of health risks well you know, uh, near a near miss with me as well. Um, and then my son was quite ill and had lots of surgeries and um, it traumatized me to the point where I would get three o'clock in the morning, horrible black thoughts. And was I having a heart attack? Was I gonna die? Was was somebody coughing in the house? Are they all right? Are they having a heart attack, etc. And in the end, I did exactly the same. I had to stop myself. I had to get a grip really. I had to sort of talk myself down. This is ridiculous. What are you doing? Stop thinking this. And it took a while, it took months. But, but now if I find myself three in the morning thinking, oh, I won't let myself go there anymore. I'll either put the light on and read or I'll get up and go to the loo or I'll put the TV on. I won't allow my head and my chatterbox to take me any to take me there anymore. Um, and it sounds like that's exactly what you did in a similar way. You just you took your head and stopped it doing that to you because it can be persecuting, can't it? It can be torture. Yes. I mean, I, I, that resonates with me massively because I, I used to wake up and if I started thinking about that particular incident, then, you know, it, it, I, I had to train my head and my mind to think it, to take it somewhere else and, and go and do something else. Uh, get up, make a cup of coffee or not coffee, but have a drink or, or put the TV on and read a book. And yeah, it was, um, it took me a while to talk myself around, you know, getting in a vehicle, but, you know, I managed to do it. Um, and, you know, I would, I would say to anybody, if they, you know, go and get help for it if need be. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes, go on, sorry. Uh, no, I, I was just going to say, I totally agree that don't let it win because you can get over it. You can do something about it, either with some external help, somebody guiding and helping and supporting you with strategies or in your own mind deciding enough I think that was the turning point for me when I thought enough I can't do this every night I can't torture myself every night this is not living this is horrible yeah it's, it's not it's not fair on on you and it's not not certainly not fair on the kind of people around as well as families you know I mean it can it can have a big effect on your life when you go through a trauma and you know especially if you I was fortunate that I managed to, not probably like, I don't know, like yourself, Dawn, we managed to sort of talk, our, sort of coach ourselves in our own heads. Um, but some people can't do that. And some people obviously need to go and get professional help. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just coming to that decision. I, I've got to get over this. I've got to do something about this and stop. Because I know, you know, lots of people who have survived cancer or survived an illness or something it's great if it's almost like um you feel you've got a second chance and this is brilliant and then the the doubts and the worries start creeping in it almost robs you of that 
second chance because every time you're ill you think is it back is it this is it that and it's your it's our heads that torture us really and and it's such a shame because you've got that second chance you survived that car crash I survived what I survived but but our heads can just rob us of that that wonder of having another chance and so that's yeah. why I think it is so important to get help uh, to get to get over that that mental torture um, so that you can properly live life fully in, in the way that you deserve really yeah I, I agree Dawn um, anyone should know, there should be help for everybody out there Whether yeah it's a family member but it's quite difficult to talk to family members because it's obviously yes. the the emotional kind of connection and it, sometimes it, if you need to have counseling or speak to somebody outside of the family and um, then it's advisable to do that oh, I totally agree it is without a doubt because it's very hard for family members to hear you, family members just want it to go away let it be all right you're all right They'd, it's hard to hear someone that you love going through that pain um, and it's hard telling someone that you love what you're going through and mm. sometimes it is easier just to go outside where there is no history there is no connection in that way and so it is easier to just tell them everything that you fear and you you tell yourself at the middle of the night and what's going through your head yeah you're right um but just know that we we can all get over these things we we can win with our mind it's just our mind taking us there and we can get get mastery over that i think with some help So what is the future for you now, James, would you say? You've been through so much in your life, so many life lessons and experiences, and what's the next chapter? For me, I, you know, as I said, there have been lots in my life, lots of different situations, and it would be a shame to not use that experience to help others. Mm. And becoming a life coach is something that I've, I've thought about for the last year, probably longer actually. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that's the road that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, or the avenue I'm gonna go down, um, as best I can. And um, and again, I'd like to speak to teenagers. I surely would. Um, help them along their way in life because it's it's difficult being young at the moment. So yeah, that's. I mean, at the moment, I'm, you know, I'm just doing a bit of consulting for people. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at becoming a qualified life coach. Well, and you mentioned, you asked earlier about um, children who've lost their way and they got in with the wrong crowd. Is that the, the youngsters that you particularly want to work with, do you think? Yeah. Yes. My, my, uh, my take on it is, you know, kids, I mean, I'm not saying that you know, a bunch of teenagers would sit down and listen to me just because we're in the SAS, but they might listen to me because I've... I've seen enough violence in my life and it is not nice at all. Mm. You know, regardless of how you dress it up or dress it down, it is, it is awful. And knife crime, gun crime, you know, for kids, it's, they should be, they should be spoken to and helped through life and, and, and made to, not made to understand, but helped in life that, you know, I was in a gang. My gang was the hardest gang in the world and that was the SAS. And it's yeah. not, it's not about, if you want to join a gang, have you want to become part of something, go and join a football team, go and join a rugby team, join the military, join the fire service. If you want to be part of that, that culture, and you want that camaraderie and that, that team, that big gang, if you like, then go and do 
go and do something positive with that those thoughts and yeah and go and do something worthwhile yeah I think that's such wise advice so that's a lovely point to end on I think because yeah channel it in the right direction and and make it work for you and for the everybody around you uh, rather than down a path that's just going to be destroying in one way or the other I think that's a great lesson um well I I've put here that you you wrote your clear goal back in 1988 and you achieved all of that that you joined the SAS etc and your maths teacher got you there and believed in you I don't doubt for a second that you won't achieve this one either um, not for a moment so <laughs> I think there will be youngsters that benefit as a result so it has a ripple effect everything you've been through will have a positive ripple effect to anybody else that comes in your uh, client base or I just wish you loads of luck with that I think you're going to be great thank you very much Dawn very kind words thank you very much uh, no I well good luck I don't think you need luck but um, I hope it happens sooner rather than later as well <laughs> thank you very much Thanks for talking to us, James. It's been really, really interesting talking to you and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem. Thank you.